Christmas, everybody. Wow. Let's try it one more time. Merry Christmas, everybody. That, that's it. Hey, welcome. Welcome those of you who are joining us online. We're so glad that you're with us. Welcome all of our campuses. Those of you joining us at South San Jose, Fremont, Sunnyvale, North San Jose. Can we put our hands together for all of our campuses? Cross Silicon Valley. We, uh, we love, 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 love Christmas time around here. This is one of my favorite services of the year. I know that holiday times can be really busy for you. There's a lot going on. So we want to say thank you for coming to church to hang out with us. You know, holiday times, there can be a lot of awkward moments, right? Like how many of you guys experience some awkward moments with your family, family of origin? Things don't go quite the way that you thought they would. Maybe even you get reminded of things that happened previous Christmases. In fact, there's one thing that I'm reminded of often. My mom tells me about it. And I think probably I'll hear about this uh, until she passes away, which I'm not hoping for, for a really long period of time. But um, she reminds me of this often. It was the year 1989. There's a lot of great things happening in 1989. I was eight years old at the time. And that was the year that the Nintendo Game Boy came out. And if you'll remember, if you were around at that time when the Nintendo Game Boy came out, there was a lot of scarcity in the air because you didn't know if you could get a Nintendo Game Boy. You had to go to different stores, Walmart. There was no Amazon back then, so you couldn't order it. And you didn't know if you would actually get the present that you had asked for. And that was the present I had asked Santa Claus for. And so that year, I had a lot of anticipation. You know how sometimes during the holidays, you're filled with expectation of the present that you're going to get. I was waiting. I was excited. I went to sleep on Christmas Eve with a lot of anticipation in my soul, waiting for that moment. I was so excited that I couldn't sleep. So I woke up around 3 a.m. I walked out to the living room, and there were a lot of presents out there. And so I did the shake test. You guys know the shake test, right? You hold it up, shake it. And if you can't tell by the shake test, you can do the peel test. So you peel it, you peel a little bit of it, and you open it, and then you put it back together. Well, I did this, and it wasn't really uh, feasible to put it back together, so I just opened the whole thing. And it wasn't a Nintendo Game Boy, so I said, well, I'll try the second present. So I went to the second present, did the shake test, couldn't tell, opened it, and it wasn't a Nintendo Game Boy. I was three presents in, and finally I was like, I did two, might as well do three. Did three, thought might as well do the whole thing. So I continued, I found some pajamas, I put those on, I kept going. Finally found my Nintendo Game Boy, started playing it, and uh, at that point, since I had already been up um, half the night, I fell asleep on the couch in my new pajamas with the Nintendo Game Boy with drool coming down my face. So mom came out the next morning expecting to see the presents. She found me on the couch, passed out, having ruined Christmas. So you can give it up for me right there. I ruined 1989. I wish that was the end of the story, though, um, because in about 2011... Um, the fruit of my loins decided that he would do the exact same thing. And so, um, so my mom said, you know, that, that was God's way of repaying me for what I did to her on Christmas. I took away her hope that Christmas. See, for me, anticipation of the presence, that's what I was loving as a kid. As a parent, though, it's different. Your anticipation for Christmas is watching your kids open the presents. That's the hope of Christmas for a mom or for a dad. You know, the holidays actually can be a time where we don't have a whole lot of hope. 
Maybe even during this time of year, you feel like there's something that is missing from your life. Maybe there's a person in your life that you thought you would be with. Maybe there was a way that you thought life would be, and you're reminded during the holidays of the fact that life is not as you thought it would be. And the holidays, holidays, Christmas in particular, can feel like a very hopeless season of life. And I want to talk today about how do you get hope into your heart again? How do you get a kind of hope that fills you with joy and peace? That your life as it is now is not that, that would, which it will always be. That there's a kind of hope that fills you. Now Webster says hope is this. Hope is to want something to happen or be true. This is kind of like a wish. It's like what you do with the genie. You know, you hope that or you wish that or you dream that something will happen. It's what you wish that would happen with Christmas, with your presence. You know, maybe there's something you want your spouse to get you. It's the word that we throw around oftentimes like, I hope you have a good day. Or you go outside and you say, I hope it stops raining. There's that hope, but it's more like a wish or a dream. But there's a different kind of a hope that really is taught about in the Bible. And I want us to see this definition here, that hope when it comes to what the scriptures teach and really what the message of Jesus is drilling down into is a joyful and confident expectation. It's something that you can, you can sink your teeth into. It's a sense in which you have a confidence that drives your life forward, that no matter what the circumstances are, there's light that shines into your circumstances. And I believe today that there are some people who walked into our services without hope, that there's a darkness that is flooding your soul. And today God wants to fill you with a kind of hope that gives joy, that brings light to your life. Uh, Dallas Willard, one of the great theologians of the 20th century said that hope is like what a dog has when it wakes up in the morning. If it's cared for by its owner, it doesn't have to worry about food, doesn't have to worry about when it's going to get to go out and go to the bathroom because it knows that the one who cares for it is going to take care of every need that it has. And this is the same case for those of us who are followers of Jesus. We can have a hope that fills our soul. I want to talk about how do you get that kind of hope. We're going to look today to the story of Matthew chapter 2. And we've been looking over the last few weeks here at Echo at different angles on the Christmas story. So we looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus. We looked at the shepherds. And today we're going to come and we're going to look at the story when the magi or the wise men walk up and they come and arrive at the place of Jesus' birth. Now, many times when you see the Christmas scene, maybe if you've watched Home Alone this year, you'll see the Christmas scene where the Magi and the shepherds show up together and they're surrounding Mary with Jesus and there's a, there's a sheep there and there are a couple animals. Well, that scene is not actually the way that it happens. The shepherds show up the night of Jesus's birth, but the Magi, the wise men show up several years later and we're going to see what happens when they come. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1, it says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Now this is important to recognize because Bethlehem is the town that prophets have written about hundreds of years ago that this is the place where the Messiah would be born. And right before this passage of scripture, there's an angel that shows up to Mary and prophesies about the birth or to Joseph and prophesies about the birth of Jesus. And what he says is that when Jesus comes, he will be a savior and he will save the people from their sins. Which is interesting because for the Israelites in the first century, when Matthew would write this letter, the, the people of Israel had a very different concept in mind with the Savior that was coming. They thought 
a political hero was coming. They thought somebody would free them from the oppression of the Romans, but the prophecies are all pointing towards a savior who would save the world, not just the Israelites, and not from political oppression, but save them from their sins. And he's born in Jerusalem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. King Herod was a wicked man. He was insecure. He had been appointed by the Romans, and he had very little power other than what which the Romans had given to him, and he abused his power. It was said by historians that it would have been better to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's kids. He was so insecure that he murdered multiple children of his own because they were a threat to his kingdom and a threat to his leadership. So this is the turmoil that Jesus steps into. It says, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking this question. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. Now, this is important to recognize that like these guys that show up are looking for the king of the Jews, but the king of the Jews for them, they are not Jewish. So it's kind of odd that they would be looking for the king of the Jews. And it makes us wrestle through this question, why the wise men? Like, why did these guys show up in the story? So we looked a few weeks ago, shepherds, Shepherds showed up in the story because they're they're like ordinary blue-collar people, and most of us can relate to the struggle of an ordinary person. But the Magi, the wise men, were very different. I want us to see this picture of the Magi. Um, This is what they might have looked like. And you can see they took Osama bin Laden and put him here um, with the freaky eyes. Sorry, that was a bad joke. But um, they would have been, um, some of you are not going to recover at the, after that, um, they would have traveled literally. You can take it down now. I feel like I got somebody staring at me. Um, but the Magi would have traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles across the Arabian Desert. So they might have been Ethiopian. They they might have been Babylonian. They might have been Arabic. But they were from they were from in the the Far East, and they were astrologers. So they spent most of their time looking at the stars. They they weren't Jews, believers in the one true God. They, they basically like were palm readers. But on top of this, they were wealthy. And as I said, they were educated. They had everything that they could have ever wanted. And yet still at the same time, they hadn't found solutions to the deepest longing of their soul. They were still looking for answers. And that journey for them began all the way back in their homeland, but it brought them to the place where they would go on this long journey to get to the solution to their wrestling. In fact, they would have to travel across the desert and their mode of operandum or their their travel would be on a camel. So how many of you guys ever ridden on a camel before just out of curiosity? It goes like a mile an hour. It's like in the far right lane, grandma's lane. I mean, that's how slow a camel goes. So they would travel across the desert, hundreds of miles. It would be cold many times maybe even rainy. Perhaps there was a time where it was hot and windy and the the, the breeze of the sand from the desert would fly across their face. And it's believed that this journey for them could have been as much as two years long from the point that they first saw the star to when they would arrive in Jerusalem. And their desire for answers, the emptiness that they felt, the fact that they had been looking and still not found the answer to their desires put them on this long journey to get to Jerusalem. And it's important to recognize that you and I, just like the the wise men, like the magi, that we're on a hope journey, that we are looking for answers. And maybe you're here today and you're here 
And it seemed like you, you got here because a friend brought you here and promised you dinner or lunch afterwards. But there, there is more to the reason that you are here. And there is something inside of you that longs for answers to the deepest questions of your life. And you are on a journey of hope. And I want to highlight today, what is hope? What is the kind of hope that can cause light to shine into your darkness? And the first concept I want us to see is that hope believes a better future is possible. See, these wise men knew that their current reality was not solving the issues that they were facing in their heart. So they were willing to leave comfort and they were willing to travel across a desert with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, with lots of goods and money and risk their lives ultimately to get to this destination where they would discover and find Jesus. And that's what hope does. Hope causes light to shine in the midst of our darkness to make us go on a journey to find answers to our heart's questions. And what hope does is it shines light even when it feels dark. Hope is like um, right before you go on a trip to Hawaii. How many of you guys ever like gone to Hawaii and it's life sucks? It's really bad at home, but you're happy because you know 24 hours from now, you're going to be sitting by a pool or a beach with a Mai Tai in hand and you're happy. And that's what hope does. Not, you know, it's not about Mai Tais, but hope, hope gives you a sense that it could be better. And many of us actually are at a place in our lives where we believe it, it, it never is going to get any better than this. And I believe that God sent me here today to tell you that there is hope, that it can be better, that, that there are answers to your questions, that there is a kind of hope that God wants to give to you that helps you believe that there is a better tomorrow, that for those of us who follow Jesus, who believe that he has come to bring life, that the best is always in front of us, even when we're at the end of this life, even when it's hard physically, even when you've lost your job or you're going through divorce or you're experiencing illness in this life, that the best for those who put their trust in Jesus is always ahead. And that's the, that's the hope that these wise men have, that there is a solution that's Something is in front of them that is better than what they're experiencing. And they go all the way to Jerusalem looking for answers. They get there and something odd happens. It says that they arrive in J Jerusalem and they discover King Herod. And King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So imagine just for a moment, you've traveled hundreds of miles, gone through the desert. You think you're going to find the baby. You think you're going to discover the Messiah, but then you encounter the wrong king. And here's King Herod, this insecure king, and he starts questioning these magi. He wants to know, like, tell me about the star. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about this baby, this king that you're looking for. And his questioning is not so much that he's looking for hope. His questioning is because he's insecure and he does not want any threat to his kingdom. So he calls together a meeting of the leading priests of the religious leaders or the teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? He does not want to know so he can go and worship. He wants to know so that he can stop the kingdom of this little baby from going forward. So he's going to do everything he can to stop it. He stops the Magi. He starts questioning and now the Magi are stuck in Jerusalem. So imagine that for just a moment. You're like, you're traveling. You think you're going to find the baby. You get stuck in Jerusalem. We don't know how long they were stuck. It could have been a week, could have been a month, could have been a, you know, a few months. But they're stuck in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is just 10 miles from Bethlehem. Just 10 miles from this little baby boy that had come. And I think that that's symbolic of how many of us live our lives. 
that we're stuck just outside the answer. We're stuck just outside relationship with Jesus. It's possible that you can come to church every single Sunday or you can watch the messages online and still be disconnected from God. It's possible that you can get caught in the busyness of life with the pressure of work and kids and all of the things and responsibilities that you have to take care of that you stop searching for truth and you find yourself wandering in darkness. And many of us, maybe today that's where you are, that you're, you stop searching for the solution to the deepest longings of your heart. This is where the Magi find themselves in Jerusalem, stuck, stuck with Herod, stuck in Jerusalem. And finally, it says after this interview, the wise men went along their way. So they finally get out of Jerusalem and the star they had seen in the east finally is going to guide them to Bethlehem. It brings me to the second big idea I want you to hear is that hope finds a way. It's not that hope doesn't encounter barriers. It's not that hope doesn't encounter difficulty. Hope actually is the the, the mindset and the heart attitude that allows you when life is difficult to continue to take steps in the right direction to move towards ultimately relationship with God. And these magi understood what they were looking for. They knew that they were looking for the one that prophets had told about hundreds and thousands of years ago. But I think the reason that many of us get stuck in this journey of hope is that we don't know what we're looking for. And I wonder today, what is it that you're looking for? So much of the pain in our lives flows out of a lack of clarity of what it is that we actually want with our lives. Maybe you thought it was success that you wanted and then you got success. Maybe it was a relationship that you wanted and you got that relationship, but there's still an emptiness inside of you. And I wonder, where are you looking for it? Where, where's the place that you're going to find answers to the deepest longings of your heart? The Magi understood that the only way that they would be satisfied is if they got to Bethlehem, if they got to the solution, if they got to the true and rightful king. And it says that the star now reappears in front of them and it begins to guide them again. It says it went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. So now finally they're there at their destination. And imagine this, this is, this is like bigger than Christmas waiting for months for presents. This is like a multiple year journey. This is something that they have been going after maybe for years before they discovered the star. They were looking for the Messiah and now they have found him. Now they have actually found the place where the baby is living. And it says that the star goes and when they saw it, they were filled with joy. They had reached the destination that they had been longing for. And they walk into the house. It says that they enter into the house and they see the child with his mother. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, man, there is a deep longing inside of us to want to, to see Jesus as he was. And in this moment, imagine what it would have been like to see Jesus, this little baby boy, God in human flesh. They walk in and the sight of this little baby, this this little young boy was so much that it, it moved them to deep emotion, but more than joy, something happens inside of the, the, the Magi's heart. It says that they started to bow down and they worshiped him as the king, the true and rightful king. At this moment, their hearts are filled with joy, their hearts are filled with peace, and all of their hope that they had had for years now is resting on this little baby boy. They start opening their presents. This is where presents come from, not Santa Claus. We love Santa Claus. God bless you, Santa Claus. We're grateful. I still believe. But this is where 
it really comes from that they open their treasure chest and they start giving gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And there's so much to these three presents that we don't have time to go into, but they were gifts that were fit for a king. And in this moment, Matthew is painting the picture that the king has come. The king has arrived. The one who is worthy of adoration, the one who is worthy of every gift, the one who is worthy of every hope in your heart that he is here. And the final thing I want us to see from this story is that hope rests on a person. That the solution they were looking for was not a place. The solution that they were looking for was not a thing. The solution that they were looking for was a person and his name is Jesus. And the same Jesus that they encountered in that moment is the Jesus who is searching and looking for you who came on a journey from heaven to earth so that you could be connected to the heart of God. And I wonder, what if the one that you are actually searching for is the one that is searching for you? And that the God of the universe, that still small voice inside of you that is longing for peace, that is longing for hope, is the spirit of God stirring within you a longing for relationship with your creator. And there is nothing in this world, there is no amount of money, there's no amount of success, there's no amount of fame, there is nothing in this world that will ever satisfy that deep longing inside of you. And the reason why when you you put your hope on something in this world, it breaks you apart, it causes you pain, it gives you suffering, it makes you depressed, it makes you anxious. The reason all of that happens is because that place inside of your heart was not created for anything in this world to fill. C.S. Lewis said this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And what hope does is it helps you realize that this life is not the end. The pain and sorrow of this physical world is a temporary journey towards eternity. And every person who is here today, every person listening to my voice, you are a human being living in a finite body, and at some point, this life will be over. And at some point, you will stand before your creator. And the creator who made you, who formed you, who knows you, knew before you were born that there would be brokenness and sin in your heart. He knew that there would be jealousy and anger and selfishness and pride that flowed from inside of me and inside of you. And he loved you enough that he would leave heaven so that he could make a way for you and me to have relationship with God. And this little baby boy would grow up to live a perfect, sinless life. He would die on a cross. After living this perfect, sinless life, the same Romans and King Herod's son, they would put Jesus on a cross And he would hang there between two thieves. And after being crucified and dying, he would be placed into a grave. And he would come forth triumphantly, conquering the grave. And when he did, he would prove the fact that he was not just a human. He was the God of the universe dwelling in a human body. Fully God and fully man. And his death on a cross, his resurrection from the dead would make a way so that you today could have relationship with God and you could have a hope that would fill your soul that would be greater than any difficulty that you would face in this life. And God today is stirring. He is knocking on the door of your heart and he wants to make an invitation to you to say, would you receive life? 
Would you receive hope and joy into your soul? I want to invite the band to come forward um, at all of our campuses right now. And I want to read this verse over you from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And it says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. I want to read that one more time. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What is this hope? This hope is that you today can have relationship with God because of Jesus' death on a cross, his conquering the grave, that the Holy Spirit can fill your heart today. He can fill every place of emptiness, of brokenness, and there's, there's nothing in this world that can fill that hope, that place inside of you. And God is inviting you today to let him fill you up, to let him fill you with a hope that brightens your eyes, that gives joy to your soul, that gives you the power to wake up on Monday morning, that gives you the power to deal with life after the holidays, that gives you what you need to deal with that drunk uncle on Christmas Eve, um, gives you everything that you need. And the hope is that the God of the universe, Emmanuel, God with us, that he would come to dwell in that same baby in Bethlehem. He's no longer in a major. He's not two years old anymore. He is crowned the rightful king. Scripture calls him the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. See, Herod didn't realize that Jesus wasn't a threat to his physical kingdom. Jesus was trying to establish a heavenly kingdom where every nation, every tribe, every tongue could come and have life. So you're here today and you may be wealthy, you may be struggling to pay your next bill, you, 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 you may be from Asia, you may be from South Africa, you may be from India, you may be from any culture, every nation, tribe, and tongue. This is the hope that God wants to fill your soul with, that he made a way so every nation, every tribe, every tongue can come. He knows your past, he knows your brokenness, he knows what you did last week, he knows your anxiety, and he loves you. He loves you in spite of all the things that you've done that you think he could never love you because of. And he loved you enough to leave heaven to make a way so that you could have life and have it abundantly. And today he's inviting you to receive that gift of salvation. That gift of salvation is greater than any gift that you could ever receive in this life. And it can, it can change everything. It can change your marriage. It can change your relationships. It can change the way you look at your career and fill your soul with hope. I want to invite you to receive that gift right now. Will you bow your heads with me? Today, um, with nobody moving around, this is a holy moment. This is a moment that for many of you, your whole life has been pointing towards today, right now. And God is inviting you by faith in Jesus and what he's done on a cross, the King of all kings and Lord of all lords, by faith in his resurrection, where maybe things that you've heard for years drop 12 inches from your head to your heart, and you receive salvation, and you begin relationship with God, and everything shifts, everything changes. Friend, with everything I have, I want to tell you right now, that God deeply loves you and he has made you for himself. He has made you for friendship with him. And he wants to give you the gift of relationship with himself that is not based on your performance. 
It's not based upon your good work. And the, the peace that can fill your soul is that you don't have to religiously perform. You feel broken. You feel like you don't measure up. And God sent me today to tell you he measured up. He made a way through his perfection that you and I and our brokenness could be restored to the heart of God. And today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be the day that you are made new, that you are transformed from the inside out. If that's you right now, in this moment, I want you to follow along with me and pray. And, and these words, as you pray them in your heart and you believe them, the Spirit of God is going to shift something inside of you. Just say to him, Jesus, I believe you died on a cross. Jesus, I believe that you conquered the grave. I, I want to ask you to forgive me for my past. I want to surrender my life to you right now in this moment. I pray that you would change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, with nobody looking around, just for a moment, if you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you on a count of three just to slip your hands up as a way of saying, today I receive salvation. Nobody looking around, one, two, three, just slip them up. God, thank you for dozens of people today who've received the gift of salvation Others of you today, you're saying, I need hope. I need hope. And I want to just pray over you. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus today, but you need hope in your heart. And I pray, Father, for each person who is looking today for hope, looking for solutions and answers. And I pray, God, even now that you would fill our hearts, that your light would fill our eyes again, that we would find a hope that rests on you, Jesus, the person who came that we might have life and have it abundantly. We give you praise and glory today that you are the one who is worthy, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And we thank you that in the midst of our darkness and brokenness here in this life, that we can know that there is a better future, that the best is ahead of us. And we give you the praise that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.